On Friday, they cursed the rains, and by Sunday... Well, this is a seemingly Welcome to Silhouette. In this episode, a deep dive into the world of political advertising in the US, starting with its history before looking at what might change in years to come. Could you introduce yourself? I'm Frank Cessna. I'm delighted to be with you. I am at the George Washington University now, where I, for 11 years, was director of the School of Media and Public Affairs. That's where we study and practice journalism, as well as political communication. So we look at both journalism and ads. We look at both campaigns and politicians. For years, and most of my experience and background is as a journalist, uh, and I worked uh, in London for a time with the Associated Press covering British politics, as a matter of fact, but most of my time was spent in the United States at the White House as an anchor, as a news talk show host for CNN, uh, and covered a lot of political campaigns, conventions, and actually interviewed five presidents. So how they do politics and don't and where the fate of the Republic stands is something that I'm very, very interested in and I'm thrilled to be with you here. What's the history of political advertising in the US? Well, advertising has been a very big part of American politics since American politics started. Initially, there were broadsheets and and newspapers and candidates put ads in by writing their own op-eds, essentially, and, and by owning their some of their own newspapers. In the modern era, and that really dates from the early 1950s, when television started covering American conventions and politics in a big way, in 1980, when CNN went on the air and we started the era over time of cable news, and really since the late 90s and the 2000s, as digital media and social media have proliferated, advertising has just exploded. And, and, and advertising is even hard to measure because there's the formal paid advertising and then there's unpaid advertising. One of the most famous ads ever run was run back in 1964 um, and it was run against Barry Goldwater, the conservative Republican. It was run once by the Johnson campaign. It was a little girl picking a daisy And behind her, you saw the countryside, and the soundtrack was a countdown, like a takeoff to a launch, a rocket launch. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. You see over her shoulder a mushroom cloud, a nuclear explosion. These are the stakes to make a world in which all of God's children can live or to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die. They were trying, the Johnson campaign was trying to tarnish Goldwater with his extreme pro-nuclear perspective, but the allegation was that he could destroy the earth. That ad ran once, once, but it was picked up by news organizations and others, and the campaign, and it had a phenomenal effect. So political advertising in this country goes way back. It it can be very negative and nasty, 
And sometimes it's, it's pushed out on mass to like flood the zone. And other times it's used for effect and for the, for the ripple. The, the, the variation of course we've got now is the virtual world and that can go virtual and the micro targeting. So you can very narrowly target an audience and then we can bring in the one other relatively new development, which is disinformation. So these are things that are made to look like ads or put out there to be deliberately difficult and misleading. And what we have in this country is an advertising mess around our politics. As someone from the UK, the first thing I notice about American political adverts is how dramatic they are. Are they all so dramatic? Um, no, they haven't been. They aren't all so dramatic. The good ones, the memorable ones are. Uh, another couple of very effective ads. Ronald Reagan in 1984 ran the Morning in America ad, which has now been resurfaced, <laughs> interestingly enough. So famous that his Morning in America ad, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, because America was recovering in 84, it was an Olympics year, the country had done well, it was feeling good, Reagan was the incumbent, so why not? It's Morning in America. It's Morning Again in America. Has been repurposed in 2020 by Republicans Against Trump, running Morning in America, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. There's Morning in America. And if you look at them side by side, the announcer sounds very much the same. It's written in the same dramatic text. It's got the same short sentences and, and imagery, but in a very negative and dark way compared to the Reagan ad, which is very light and positive. So I wouldn't say all ads are dramatic like that, but some are, the memorable ones are. Ads fall into several different baskets. So there's negative advertising. That's advertising that criticizes or tries to tarnish the image or personality of, of someone. Donald Trump is very good at that. He did that a lot in 2016, obviously targeting Hillary Clinton, her servers, Benghazi, Crooked Hillary, all that kind of stuff. Another kind of ad is an issue ad. That'll be more explanatory in nature, and it'll either come from the candidate or it could come from an interest group. We have these PACs, these political action committees, and they're entitled now to raise as much money as they want. They might be running ads for gun control or less gun control or for Medicare for all. The healthcare debate in this country is huge. And they will run an ad on an issue that is consistent with a candidate, but it might not be directly for the candidate, or it might. But the, the really dramatic ones, the, the ones that really are memorable those will have much more of a storyline built into them. They'll have more character. They'll have more emotion. Um, and they represent a portion, but not all of the ads that are on. There seem to be a lot of negative adverts in each cycle. Are they particularly effective? Unfortunately, the research shows that negative ads and ads that conjure up fear are successful in the sense that they have impact. People remember them. You can move the numbers as a candidate more easily if you're trying to move numbers to tarnish your, candidate, your, uh, your adversary than if you're trying to explain your policies. So, you know, often it depends on the mood of the, of the moment, too, and it depends on where you're running ads. So as an example, one of the campaigns may choose to buy ads on Fox News 
but they might only buy in three key cities. That just happened. They did a strategic buy in three big cities. So they might target a very competitive race or a district where a member of the House or the Senate is on the defensive for some scandal or something. And they'll kind of like a prize fighter, keep punching away at where the cut has opened above the eyebrow. So ads are not always effective, but the negative ones do tend to move people. And they, what they also tend to do is they tend to motivate voters. That's why so many of them are negative, because people are more motivated by fear and by emotion than they are by logic and fact, sadly. In recent weeks, the Biden and Trump camps released a flurry of video adverts online, all around 30 seconds in length. I've got two in front of me, one from each side, and I'm going to play both of them to you, starting with Biden's. Okay. Okay, so here you go. Right now, we're at a crossroads. We've seen what can happen when we elect a leader determined to divide us. As president, Joe Biden will forge a new path by growing an economy that works for working families, getting small businesses back on their feet, and expanding access to affordable health care. Joe Biden will lead us on the path forward, paved with opportunity for us all. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. To begin with, what are your thoughts on that advert? Biden is trying to make the campaign about Trump and reuniting a divided America. He is trying to play up uh, the notion of diversity and the Democrats, just as they did in 2016, when they took back the House of Representatives, are trying to hit health care. And that's why health care is there. They're trying very hard to highlight what they believe will sell as Trump's mishandling and incompetence up against the COVID crisis. So the imagery we see, the, the wording, the framing of the whole thing, is completely consistent with that. They're also trying to highlight Biden's personality or the personality they want to convey. It's Joe. He's an ordinary guy and he can bring people together. And this is the Trump advert. They riot, loot, take over cities. And now the radical left wing of the Democratic Party has taken control. Joe Biden stands with them and embraces their policies, defunding the police. Yes, absolutely. Amnesty to 11 million illegals, letting them compete for American jobs. Massive government takeover of health care, crushing Americans with taxes, capitulating to China and Iran. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. What do you think of that one? Trump's ad pounds away at what they're trying to do, which is to portray Biden. And they're having more trouble finding their message than the Biden campaign, by the way, because they've been pinging around a bit on this. But for now, anyway, the overall narrative to the Trump campaign is Biden is left wing, dangerous, unpredictable, and will do all the things that the ad accuses him of doing, from socializing medicine to defunding the police. Both of those ads are playing directly to the base and to the voters that each of those candidates is trying to motivate. They are also consistent with the theme and the personality of the candidacies. Both ads exaggerate. Trump's ad actually has stated falsehood and mistruths, and they were this particular ad was really, really torn apart by critics and others because they use the clip of Biden saying yes or whatever after the narrator talks about defunding the police. 
Biden specifically uh, has said that he does not favor defunding the police departments in this country, which some people have called for. He's separated himself from the far left progressive wing of the Democratic Party on that. So while both ads take the liberties to make their case, the Trump ad is is more out there, shall we say, with respect to the actual truth, which is always a bit of a victim in these ads. But in this case, it's an outright misstatement of fact. But as I say, both ads are playing to the base. And I, I said before, they're playing to the personality. Biden wants to portray himself. I'm the uniter. I can pull people together. Trump likes to portray himself as I'm the fighter. I'm the tough guy. I, you know, I, I, I never stop slugging. And both of those ads convey those messages, I think. What kind of strategies are at play in those adverts? Biden is trying to make his campaign a referendum on Trump. The way he's doing it here, though, is he's showing that he's the alternative to Trump to return to a more productive, civil, united states. <laughs> Whereas Trump, in his ad, is not talking at all about what he will do. It's all focused on Biden. So both of these ads are focused on, on Biden. I would say if I were you know, doing my journalism now and grading these, I would give higher marks to the Biden ad because it conveys the, the, the anti-Trump message without blatantly saying so. It's very clear. But he does talk about what he, what he would do as president. One of the criticisms of the messaging around the Trump campaign right now is he has not clearly articulated a, a vision for a second term. He's very much running against the radical left, but he's not clearly spelling out what his second term would consist of or, or how it would be defined and framed. And he certainly, you know, that's, that's consistent with what we see in this ad. He's not doing it in this ad. It's all attack. You mentioned there the element of truth and the way it isn't always respected in political adverts. Is this a trend you're worried about? Well, it's always been a worrying trend. I mean, I've, I've seen this since I've been covering this. One of, the, one of the more infamous ads is a Willie Horton ad, which you may have seen. This was run against Michael Dukakis, the Democrat, in 1988 um, by George Herbert Walker Bush, who ironically was running on a kinder, gentler conservatism platform. Meanwhile, he pulled out this Willie Horton ad Willie Horton was a convicted killer. He'd been released from jail during the governorship of Dukakis in Massachusetts, and he committed another murder. Well, it just so happens that Willie Horton was black. And so the imagery is very racist and conjures up all kinds of racial overtones, which, of course, the campaign um, denied. Bush and Dukakis on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. That was actually not the true story. It was not the true, literal take on Willie Horton and how he got out. Michael Dukakis himself did not release him from prison. You know, so the, the sort of misrepresentation coming right up to the line of truthfulness has always been, or at least in my experience as a reporter covering politics and a viewer of these ads, it's always been a fixture of American advertising right up to the edge. Trump takes it over the edge, in my view. 
flat out stating things that are wrong um, and that he knows are wrong or that his campaign knows are wrong and they don't care. Like this particular instance with a piece of sound, a couple of words where it makes Joe Biden sound like, yes, he wants to defund the police when he has explicitly said that he opposes that. So, you know, truth is in the eye of the beholder or the advertiser, I guess. What sums of money are we looking at behind these advertising campaigns? So here we are talking in August. We're not even close, really, to the election because the elections really ramp up in a big way in September and October. That's the main general election campaign. But here we are in August, and already, according to one very good source that I'm familiar with, more than $2 billion has been spent already on the 2020 cycle. Well, and the estimation is that the $2 billion that's already been spent in this cycle is twice, a little bit more than twice what was spent at this point in the 2016 cycle. And the estimation is that close to $7 billion could be spent in advertising in the 2020 election cycle. I mean, that's just astonishing, you know. That's, that's, that's a number that it sort of is, is through the roof and it is endemic to the flood, the tsunami of money that drowns American politics. And this is what we see. Before we wrap up, does that kind of spending and the way it's increasing every cycle concern you? It horrifies me. It horrifies me as a journalist because I would like to think that most people get most of their information from journalists and their own work, trying to figure out what a candidate stands for and what a campaign is promising and whether they're going to be able to deliver and not just the latest propaganda produced garbage that is put on television or on a website or thrown out through social media. It concerns me because then the, the other thing that's happened and it's happened is people have information and campaign overload and they don't even know you know, what's legitimate, what's not, what's fact, what's not, what's disinformation, what's not. That's where these conspiracy theories come from and all the rest. And money corrupts. You know, fine, you can say I approve this message if you're a candidate and people know that, but where are you getting your money from? What are you promising in the process? So we have a very serious problem here. I remember when I was a young journalist in the United Kingdom, the first year I was there, I was so taken, sort of smitten by these wonderful rules around campaigns and elections, that it was a finite period of time. Campaigns are measured in weeks. The BBC provided free airtime up to a point for candidates, and they could have a significant amount of time and make a serious speech. We don't have anything like that in this country. In the United States, it's just sort of the legalized, you know, for sale, wild, wild political West. Thank you. All right, Matt, take care. Good luck.